The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome back again for another series on The Compliance Life. Uh, today, I am visiting with John Melican. John is with Exeger, and he has traveled to and from the CCO chair. So, John, first of all, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit with me over this uh, four-week podcast series. Uh, great. Great to be with you, and uh, long-time listener, first-time uh, per- participant. Well, great. I was wondering, John, if we could start with your uh, academic career and your early professional life. Could you tell us where you went to law school and why? So uh, just before law school, I went to Colgate University and uh, was graduated from there and went on to Albany Law School. Uh, you know, the reasons to go to Albany were numerous, including financial and proximity uh, to the city. But uh, predominantly, I knew I wanted to do something with criminal law. And uh, there was a professor there for a long time named Peter Prizer, who was the guru of New York State uh, criminal procedure. And the opportunity to go learn from him seemed a good gateway to getting into a career in criminal law in New York. So that's how I ended up at uh, Albany Law School. Uh, John, did you always have uh, being a lawyer uh, kind of at the front of a professional mind or is that something that you just sort of more meandered into? That's why I mentioned Colgate at the beginning, that the strengths of a liberal arts education are that you get to meander into a lot of different things. I mean, I went from uh, an undergraduate degree in history uh, where, you know, I I studied a wide range of topics. But, you know, at the same time, uh, with a small liberal arts school, I was taking physics and music theory classes. Uh, It was really all over the place. So uh, by the time I got to uh, senior year, uh, I mean, it was equal parts of I, I I need to find a real job or I need to do something to delay the inevitable. So law school seemed like a, a really good idea to delay the inevitable. And, um, you know, I did a little bit of research, not a whole lot of uh, effort went into it. But I, I knew that I wanted to do something in the public sector. And, um, you know, criminal law always seemed fascinating. It seemed like a good opportunity. And I knew at some point. If I was going to do it, I wanted to do uh, some kind of trial work, some something where you had to get up and stand up in front of people and and and, and make an argument. And that you know that's that's really the the impetus for going to law school. I, I wish there was some better story to it, but it was uh, you know mostly the same decision everybody makes. You kind of go with what feels good at the time and kind of what's accessible at the time. Well, uh, my undergraduate degree was in Central European history, French Revolution to the present. And at that time, the present was 1978. So um, with, uh, with that very fellow historian and with that yeah. degree, I became a cook in Austin. It was all I was qualified to do. But if you're interested <laughs> in the greater kingdom of Bohemia, circa 1800, I'm your guy. Uh, if, you, if, if you ever want to take... 
If you, if you ever want to take a, a tour of the Zenobia letter of 1924, I'm your guy. I am the only guy interested in that topic, but that's that was my that was my thesis. So, what was your first job out of law school, John? Uh, so, uh, right out of law school, I went to the Manhattan DA's office, and I, I say that with uh, some reverence to the office. It it is the I mean, you can talk to any number of people who may have held a position as an assistant DA at, at a number of places. But uh, Manhattan is pretty special, and it it pretty much is the single greatest job I think you can get coming out of school. Uh, I would have paid them to do it. It was a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, you they throw you right into to work uh, your your first day on the job. There's some form of orientation, and this is back in oh god 1992. Uh, there's some form of orientation, but not really. They just send you out there and put you in a courtroom and start throwing papers at you and judges start yelling at you and court officers start yelling at you and defense attorneys start yelling at you and you just learn by doing. And uh, it was an entirely different skill set than I thought it would be, uh, but it was great for uh, you know learning on the job, learning how to play uh, defense, um, you know, kind of all day, every day trying to play catch up where you're always behind in what you're doing, but you've always got something to do and you've got to perform. It had so many life lessons baked into it. It was fantastic. Um, the subject matter was really, really interesting. Um, I mean, you start out in the trial division, at least I did. Uh, so you're starting out with people jumping the turnstile, uh, you know, possession of marijuana, now not technically illegal in New York State anymore. Uh, but you, you start out with very low-level crimes, but they mix in there enough of the domestic violence misdemeanors, which are you know, incredibly serious and incredibly terrifying uh, to, to handle because you have a lot of responsibility at a very young age with, you know, sometimes very little talent or experience under your belt, but a lot of support. Uh, really great experience uh, to, to work with people, victims of crimes. You know, you, you get close to some people. Um, you you learn a lot about human nature. Uh, you learn about uh, relating to a lot of different people uh, from all different walks of life, and you you know you do it both in the courtroom talking to um, you know the important people in the in the in the courtroom, uh, including sometimes even jurors. Uh, it, it just was incredibly expansive to you know a kid who was essentially from the suburbs. Um, you, you just learned a tremendous amount, uh, even in those first couple of years in, in the office. Um, after after uh, doing that for a number of years in the trial division, I went over to what was called the investigations division. You, you start out prosecuting small white collar crimes, um, embezzlements, you know, sort of white collar thefts of, of every form and function. You know, a couple things like stolen car rings where you have to do search warrants and you get you know, your skill set kind of ramped up a little bit in, in writing warrants and applying for things like pen registers or some weird applications that you have to make. You work very closely then with the, the detectives. Um, you know, your victims are mostly, you know, corporations or corporate functions, sometimes law firms. Uh, it, it really, you know, showed you that there's a huge intersection between the law and business. Um, and then following that, I went into what's called the Frauds Bureau. Uh, where you handle long-term uh, investigations into essentially white-collar crimes, and there's a there's a great history of that office uh, doing some really fantastic work from cases like BCCI. Um, uh, I think 
you know, uh, there were some aspects of you know the Tyco cases that were brought there. Um, I'm forgetting hundreds of others that were were done there. Um, I ended up working on a case called LCP Capital, which was a broker dealer case um, where they were manipulated securities, and um, it really brought me into focus for the rest of my career, uh, you know, in banking and AML. John, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us in our next episode where we talk about your move into the corporate world. John, I wondered if our listeners wanted any more information on uh, yourself or any of the topics we've talked about today. Where could they go? Uh, just exeter.com. It's probably the best place, and you can see uh, everybody who's there and uh, the services we have to offer. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.